How you guys doing? Welcome to Christian Podcast Live. My name is Beto Gudiño, and I bring you top God thinkers to destroy toxic cultures in your organization. So in today's episode, we'll talk about why are Christian organizations toxic? Is there a way to boost employee engagement and well-being? So Al Lopez is on the is the CEO and founder of Best Christian Workplaces Institute, BCWI. And his latest book I have in my hands entitled Road to Flourishing: Eight Keys to Boost Employee Engagement and Well-Being. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to the gods of Emojitron and ask them to choose an emoji reaction to kick us off in today's conversation. Are you guys ready? Here we go to the emoji tombola. Reveal the emoji. And it's an inspired emoji reaction. Inspired emoji, so... Let's go to our guest. Welcome, Al. How are you feeling today? How are you? To be with you. And uh, maybe I should put on my uh, sunglasses too, huh? Let's do that. Hey, yeah. I like that. Now we look a little bit like the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mr. Neo. <laughs> um, Al, so glad you're on the show. First of all, like, how do you feel about getting an inspired emoji? For I'm, Road I'm, to Flourishing. Well, it's, uh, it's very exciting to me. And, uh, you know, we've got a chapter in the book called Inspirational Leadership. So uh, it's uh, uh, inspired is, is a great emoji to start with. Thank you, Beto. Okay. I love it. So this is what I want to do with the show today. I'll, um, first of all, can we get to know you a little bit? Like, tell us who you are and what you do, maybe where you're tuning in from. So I live in the Seattle area, and I've been here 25, uh, 26 years. Um, prior to starting the Best Christian Workplaces Institute, I worked for 21 years with a large human resource consulting firm, managed our office up here in the Seattle and Portland area after living in Dallas and then Denver, uh, and then transferred up here to the Seattle area. And then 20 years ago, uh, a divine providence called, and I answered the phone, and uh, The Best Christian Workplaces Institute uh, was started, and uh, and Christianity Today wanted to create a list of who the best Christian workplaces were. They didn't know how to do it. They uh, checked with some of their contacts. They ran into me, and I had been doing the best companies to work for in Washington and Oregon for for probably five or six years, and had a methodology and a process. But but uh, I was really inspired, and it really created then the vision that I have is that Christian workplaces set the standard as the best, most effective places to work in the world. So, so that's, uh, that's a little bit about me. I'm married. My wife, Kathy works with me. Uh, we have a couple of adult daughters. I belong to an evangelical covenant church up here on Mercer Island, Washington, which is right in between Seattle and Bellevue and, uh, uh just love it. Nice. Okay. I'll, I love Seattle, by the way, I've been there a few times with my kids and, Amazing spot in the United States. I love yep. it. Um, so anyways, glad you're tuning in and glad we're going to be talking about what are toxic cultures and how to destroy a toxic culture and start making our companies flourish. 
But I would love to start right here, Al, because when I was reading your book, uh, you have a very interesting story. It almost seems like an out-of-the-body experience when you were younger and a little bit of this 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 sense of like God calling you into into what you're doing now, really. But can you elaborate a little bit on on that story from from a while back when I mean it just seems almost I, I can almost like compare it to Peter on that rooftop and having a vision of yeah uh, right so Beto I'm I'm uh, yeah I'm, I'm uh, honored that you picked that out because it uh, it is the most significant. Uh, moment of my life. And, uh, um, you know, if I was with my wife, I'd say being, you know, our wedding day might have been but, uh, but <laughs> so, so one Saturday morning, this is 20, uh, 21 or so years ago, before uh, the best Christian workplaces was started. Now it's in my, my previous career, I've been with them for 20 years. But on a Saturday morning, uh, uh, our men's Bible study group that I've went to for years and years, uh, uh, studied the the concept of that we should um, seek the face of God, and you know, of course, you know, we hear that growing up in the faith. Oh yeah, seek the face of God. Well, th that really uh, just caught me off guard because I've never really thought that I did that. Uh, and so Monday morning, I did my devotional after that Saturday morning uh, 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 meeting, and I closed my eyes to pray, and I thought, oh yeah, I'm supposed to seek the face of God. So I thought, okay, so I, I, there I am with my eyes closed in my, in my chair in my study. I just finished uh, my devotional, and I was uh, getting ready to pray. And uh, I thought, okay, face of God, face, seek the face of, well, what does God's face look like was kind of what I started with. And, you know, I thought of, oh, you know, the picture of God, you know, on the Sistine Chapel, you know, the gray hair flying back, you know, reaching out to touch and give life to Adam. And I thought, oh, that doesn't quite resonate with me as what God really looks like. I mean, he's, he's more than just an old gray haired man. And, uh, and then the scripture came to mind. Uh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And uh, I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe that, that'll be a little easier for me to, uh, to, to focus on. So I started in my, again, eyes closed in my chair, focusing on what does Jesus look like? And so I picked a Palestinian peasant, you know, olive skin, brown hair, probably a little curly, you know, I, uh, Jewish nose. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of putting together what Jesus would look like in the flesh and, you know, then I'm, I've got this picture kind of in my mind as I, you know, chin, beard, nose, and then I'm starting to focus on the eyes. And I'm thinking, no, he doesn't have blue eyes, you know, like we've seen a lot of Jesus pictures with blue eyes. He's, he's, he's Jewish. He's, you know, so he's got dark eyes. And as soon as I had that picture in my mind, then something changed. And, and all of a sudden, the pupils and the eyes disappeared and, and a beam of light from each of those eyes started, uh, was directed right at me. And I thought, well, what's that? And then, then, the, then the eyes became beams of light. The beams got to be bigger. And then the face that I had in my mind burned away and I was sitting in a beam of light 
uh, in this, you know, it was a mystical experience. This beam of light was just beam, you know, shining right on me. I remember, you know, then uh, being transported up and looking down at me and seeing this light surrounding me and kind of noticing that the light, you know, kind of was coming in my skin and out of my skin as much as it was uh, reflecting on me. And, and I just felt this feeling of, of warmth. And I thought, what is that? Well, then I thought, oh, that's love. And, you know, it was, um, it was like, oh, wow, this feels so good. And, and then I had uh, two things. Um, I had this impression and that somebody was attacking me and, and I, I didn't turn and, and uh, turn away. I, I just was stayed in the conversation and, and because I, I, I had felt this love, you know, there's no reason for me to turn away. I wasn't going to be hurt. I knew that. And whatever the issue was got resolved because I was able to stay in the, in the conversation and show love. And actually the reason the person was attacking me was one of their issues. It wasn't my issues and, and their issue was, was healed. And, and then the, the, the last thing was, uh, Al, you can love because I first loved you. And then the whole experience stopped. And I don't know if that was minutes long or seconds long, 30 seconds or so, but uh, I had never experienced anything like that, Beto. I've not experienced uh, anything that significant since. And I, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I was trained, you know, if there's something out of the ordinary, if it's not documented in scripture, it's, it may not be from God. And I thought, well, I wonder where, where could I confirm that this is, was real? And uh, of course, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, clearly there's Old Testament ex experiences with God. And, and then even in Revelation, where John talks about uh, seeing, seeing Christ in the, uh, in the first, you know, when he was writing uh, Revelation in the first chapter of Revelation, he said his eyes were like fire, his hair was white as snow. And that's what I saw. And I thought, oh, I've seen uh, the glorified Christ, uh, his face anyway. Um, and I realized my life uh, was going to be different from that point forward. So that's, that's the story. Uh, you know, uh, um, it's hard to describe it in, any, in, in, a, in a shorter period of time, but then, then I, that sent me on a new jersey, a new journey. To tell you the truth, um, you know, I've kind of pursued and and read the Middle Age mystics. You know, Saint John of the Cross, uh, 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 Saint Teresa of Avila, you know, other Middle Age mystics. And uh, and as a Protestant growing up, I mean, that's my faith tradition. Um, I didn't know anything about them, and uh, so I've since been uh, uh, kind of pursuing a more contemplative. Uh, uh, spiritual life, uh, as has, you know, then, uh, six months later, I mean, that was really the, the beginning of moving to, uh, starting the best Christian workplace. So six months later, I told my boss I'd be retiring. Um, and then at age 50, uh, at the end of our fiscal year, I retired. And that's when, uh, when I got connected with Christianity today, again, 
uh, divine providence called, I answered the phone. And uh, that's, that's the start of the best Christian workplaces. So that's, uh, that's the, that's that story, you know? Yeah. Wow. What, what was your reaction when you read it? Um, so my reaction is, I think I had a similar story and this, this has to do a little more with my wife because she's, she was, she's a little bit more, um, charismatic if we could uh -huh. use that word sure where she she loves a little more of like the contemplative prayer and stuff like yeah. that but in her case it, it was a little bit more uh i mean now i can almost laugh but back in the days it was it was pretty dark because it, it was a little bit more it was mystical for sure but it seemed a little bit more coming from the occult Oh. And and her experience was almost like the same type of like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing Jesus. But in this mm -hmm. case, it was not like she didn't make the effort like you did to say, okay, now I'm having a vision of if Jesus is like, how can I have a mental picture of the real Jesus and not like the, no, the, the Jesus from, from the Renaissance or whatever. Right. Right. Um, right, right. But in her case, it, it was like the, no, the, the Jesus with the blue eyes and whatnot. And, uh. and Jesus was almost like inviting her to. Well, it was it was not just Jesus. It was like the disciples oh. uh, that wanted to empower her. But it seemed, I mean, the whole experience felt like way more demonic than it felt about love. Mm -hmm. And the way she describes it is it felt cold. When, mm. I, when I pray to God, when I pray to the Holy Spirit, it feels warm. It gives me yeah. peace. It, yeah. I feel the love. And in this other yeah. case, it was like, Almost like the same thing, you know, a little bit of the out of the body experience, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's like, I'm cold. And then mm -hmm. we could see our like relationships, our closest relationships were falling apart, you know, friends, oh. family. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was like a total disconnect, but uh, almost like very similar experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And in this case, I think one of the key elements when I read your story is that one, it included like love for people. Yeah. And I think that's a big, big, big difference in, in what you have experienced and what mm -hmm. we've experienced, right? And maybe what people experience when they do you know, meditation or contemplative yeah. prayers and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. um, I mean, do you have anything to say to that? Oh, I, you know, I, I'll say, Beto, I've, I've felt cold. You know, I've felt uh, which I thought was, uh, you know, I was laying in bed at one point. I, you know, I might have been praying. I might not have been. And, uh, and I just felt a, a presence of coldness and I thought it was evil itself, mm. uh, you know, possibly, uh, being close by and, and, uh, looking for a way to attack, but, uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah. So these things happen, you know, and, and again, uh, we spend a lifetime trying to interpret it, you know, what they mean mm. <laughs> probably as well. <laughs> yeah. So. That's true. So how do you connect that to, I mean, you, you, you kind of said how that that was the starting point for Best yeah. Christian Workplaces Institute. Yeah. So from your vantage point, like why was it important to have uh, this institute? Like why were Christian companies mm -hmm. becoming toxic? Like where did you experience that? And, and what was your calling into that toxicity? Yeah, and, and it happened over time. So kind of a, it, it starts... You know, when I came to faith uh, in college, I was part of a of a really vibrant, great team. Uh, I went was going to Penn State. Uh, I uh, I joined a Young Life leadership team. We we served four different high schools in the 
in the state college area. And in my experience, again, as a new Christian, working with other Christians to do God's work, uh, we had a phenomenal team. We loved being together. We loved working together. You know, imagine college kids getting up at five o'clock in the morning to prepare for a, for a, a, a Bible study with high school kids. I mean, we, we, we did whatever it took. We helped each other. We supported each other. We, we um, were doing ministry. We saw, you know, people's lives changed. And what, what we saw was people would see us as a group getting along so well that they said, Hey, I, you've, you're different. You know, I love the way you guys interact with each other, the way you love one another. I'm interested in that. I'm attracted to that. And we saw people who would be attracted to the faith and attracted, uh, uh, you know, to come and be part of, of the ministry. And uh, that was, that was just a, 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 a tremendous experience. But then you know, as I, as I was working with this uh, human resource consulting firm, occasionally I'd work with Christian organizations and, and what, what I experienced with them and various churches along the way was not the same. And I thought something's missing. And then, then as I started the Best Christian Workplaces Institute, I, I tell the story in the book where I went to a, a board member had called me and she said, I'm really worried about our ministry and they, they had a great ministry and they were serving, uh, serving uh, delinquent uh, uh, kids, uh, young adults that were coming out of the, out of the judicial system. And uh, they, were, they were ministering to them. They were teaching them uh, basic Christian principles and discipleship and, and getting them on a different path. Well, it had been started and worked well uh, for a long time, but then a new leader came in, and he he didn't have the same um, uh, Christ-like uh, leadership approach. In fact, he would fire people and then hire his his relatives to take their jobs. Uh, created a culture of fear, and we took an employee engagement, did an employee engagement survey of of their staff, and and it was awful. The results were just awful. And so they had me come and present to the to the board what the results were, and I, and I could just feel the pain of these employees that they had um, and were experiencing um, because of such poor leadership, and the culture had had uh, really gotten um, so bad, toxic. Um, uh, and I felt bad for them. You know what what uh, what should they do? I I suggested that the board. Uh, uh, terminate the executive director who had taken it in such a bad place, and and uh, they they weren't ready to do that. And and you know the short end of the the, the short story, the bottom line was, well, they continued with that same direction for about six months, and then they finally did uh, uh, terminate them when they realized that there wasn't uh, uh, a better path for them. So I mean that's an example, you know, just but. Uh, the good work was being that was being done before was was really diminishing. Uh, the people doing the work were really, um, uh, in, you know, they were they were hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I feel like that is toxic leadership trickling down, mm -hmm. ultimately to the people that work for you, right? And yeah. I love how you said in the book that 
when you do that, when you have a toxic culture, which I would love to, to expand a little bit more on, on what is culture within a company, but uh, when you have a toxic culture, especially if you're in a Christian organization, you're giving Christ a bad reputation, yeah. you know? So that's so interesting because, I mean, even how it might be connected to, like, the first picture you have of, like, I, I'm trying to focus on who Jesus is and what his face right. looks like. And when you take it to the to the the labor department, right, or the, the, the workplace, what does Jesus look like within a company? What does Jesus look like? In the world of companies, in the world of organizations, what does Jesus look like when it comes to a Christian company or Christian organization? And I think it has all to do even with 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 your um, first uh, encounter that you had, you know, this mystical yeah. experience. So tell me a little bit about that um, that bad reputation that a company, especially a Christian company, can give to Christ. Well, you know, uh, and I've I've uh, seen it. Uh, over and over again, you know, and let's take a church, for example, you know, I, I've seen in church where the staff are just at each other's throats in a sense where there's no real love. There's no sense of, of uh, teamwork. There's no sense of camaraderie. Everybody's kind of, you know, their relationships are broken. So they kind of turn away from the group. They're doing their own thing. And, and when people get close to that from the outside to say the congregation, they get close to that and they see, Oh, these people aren't working together. They don't even like each other. You know that, that that's not drawing people to uh, to Christ. You know that that causes them to go, oh, you know, I want to. I don't want anything to do with that. So people actually, and and I'll say, you know, Beto, what what I've heard uh, and and talked with people who have worked in a Christian environment and their their faith is damaged. When I see that, that really upsets me. And then, then there are times I've talked with people who, who had a, a vibrant, active faith. They they're working in a Christian organization, and they actually leave the organization, and they 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 stop. Uh, they they've they've lost their belief in Christ, and that really makes me uh, upset. That should not happen. Uh, you know, Christians uh, working together, living together, and in, in that at least in the workplace. Uh, you know, as, as the apostle John says, you know, I give you another commandment that they'll know that you're Christians based on the way you love one another. That's the, that's the measure. And that's the goal for us to, to work towards. And if we're not, if we're not getting along, then, um, uh, that's certainly not loving one another. Mm -hmm. So are there a lot of Christian organizations in the world. I mean, I could probably, we could probably include every single church in the world, but when it comes to uh, maybe like nonprofits or for-profits and companies, are there a lot of Christian companies out there? Is, is Do you know like so, the statistics of that? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, uh, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, there are um, literally thousands of, of companies that are owned by Christians and we work with, uh, a couple of organizations that 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 work with these kinds of organizations like c12 and convene and there's other kinds of, of christian peer group types of ministries that bring together christian owners the owners of christian businesses or the own, christian owners of businesses best way to say that and they 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 really have the focus of of having a good business but actually having a business as ministry you know, 
BAM as uh, as the the acronym business as ministry mm-hmm. or business as a ministry and uh, and so there's a lot of those so there literally you know there will be thousands uh, here in the country I know um, C12 alone uh, has probably a thousand twelve hundred uh, different members of their organization so and the principles that I've got in my book work just as well for Christian-owned businesses as it does for Christian nonprofits and churches. Uh, we we have a little bit of a different questionnaire. You know, Christian businesses or uh, uh, businesses uh, overall aren't allowed to discriminate based on religion. So we are more careful. We use the Best Workplaces Institute versus Best Christian Workplaces Institute. And there's a couple of questions in our survey that uh, we take out that are more you know specific. Uh, Christian questions like, like my organization reflects Christ of the world. Uh, we don't ask that in a business setting because we don't want to create leaders. Uh, we don't want to put leaders in jeopardy of being accused of uh, discriminating based on religion. So, mm-hmm. Wow, that's yeah. an interesting point. And uh, so when I think of, of workplace culture and really what you're doing is How do you find out when there's a toxic culture? And I think it's all related to to the employees. And that's why you got to right. have these questioners, right? Like, how are yeah. people? So tell me a little bit about those tools that you employ to, to find out. Yeah, so I remember when I started talking to the statewide business magazine in Washington, I said, so so how do you determine your list of best companies in Washington? And they said, well, we, we send out a questionnaire to the company to answer. And uh I said, well, who answers that questionnaire? Well, it's the public relations de- department mostly. And I said, and you think you're getting uh, enough information to determine who the best companies to work for are from the public relations department? Don't you think you should ask the employees? Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, oh, well, yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like so, a good idea. <laughs> yeah, so so that's what we do. We're, we wow. Uh, to, to help evaluate the health of the organization's culture, we asked the employees, and we've created a 56-question uh, questionnaire that uh, we've, we've honed and developed over time, and we do a lot of statistical analysis to validate and verify it. And, and so we, we have the employees complete the questionnaire, and that will give us the overall health of the culture. And then we work with the leadership team to say, okay, this is This is how your leadership is being perceived because it's the leaders that have the most impact in creating the culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we've identified the, the eight keys, as you've outlined uh, uh, or mentioned it in the book. We've identified the eight keys from a statistical process that actually drive employee engagement and well-being in, in organizations. So, so uh, that's the first step in our, in our process. We call that the discovery step. And, you know, if it's uh, in addition to the to the questionnaire, we'll also do focus groups with employees to uh, because a, a survey would tell us, you know, where the hotspots are. It won't tell us why they are actually hotspots. That's unique to every organization. And uh, uh, so we'll we'll do that in the discovery in the discovery phase. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from there, you move on to to helping the company have a better Yep. I guess a better leader, right? Or and make flourish. So I want to bring you almost like a, a like a case study, right? Okay. Because this yeah. is this is Christian podcast. And one of my dreams, one of my visions 
maybe even like going back to your vision of, of you know, seeing the face of Jesus. Uh, when I was younger too, when I was in Mexico, I grew up in Guadalajara, the mm -hmm. second largest city in Mexico with millions and millions of inhabitants. And I remember looking at a, at a high building and looking at it and thinking, what if one day that building could be a building where I could have like a, a, a Christian media company where we have mm -hmm. TV, we have radio, things like that, right? And nowadays, I mean, that's not even necessary because all that has shifted, right? The, the, the legacy media and all of that is shifting into now there's podcasts, now there's internet, now there's social media, like all this stuff that had um, given more opportunity to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it's just like a generational shift, yeah. right? And when I think of Christian podcasts particularly, I think this is my vision, right? This is almost like my vivid vision is that one day uh, Christian podcast, it doesn't mean podcast because of we're just talking. It means right. we're media, right? So mm -hmm. Christian, mm -hmm. think of it as like Christian media. So one of my dreams is that one day this will be a company. It's already... I already uh, set mm -hmm. it up as a company, right? But that one day we'll be able to produce content for audiences, right? So maybe kids content, maybe maybe uh, short movies or you know, episodic movies and things like that. So that's my, my dream and my vision. And what would be some of the elements that you would say, Beto, this is like, this is like step one, two, or three that you need to do in order for your company to be flourishing in the future, to have a, a healthy uh, work culture, what would be like the, I don't know, the three three steps I need to take? Yeah, well, let's say, uh, uh, first of all, you know, what's the value proposition? Why do you want to have a healthy culture? Because when you've got a great culture, then, you, then you're able to develop employees who are engaged and who have been on the job long enough where they can really make a positive impact on your customers. And so when you develop customers that are loyal over time and you develop more loyal customers, then you see growth and, and greater impact. So, so that's the reason that you want to do it in the first place. But uh, I'd say, you know, um, of course, we've got eight, eight keys here. Uh, the first thing would be to actually begin to integrate those into your regular practices as a, as a leader and as an organization one of the first steps would be to actually build your values. You know, what are your employee values that you want to have as an organization? Because that will, you know, culture is all about behavior and, uh, and a workplace culture is, you know, how we do things around here and having that defined through, through at least, you know, five or six values and is an important step. And, but then, you know, yeah, you want to have uh, fantastic teams. So how you, how you select teams, uh, you want to provide life-giving work so that everybody knows the impact that their, their, their lives are. You want to have really great talent in the process of selecting that talent and promoting that talent and developing that talent and rewarding that talent. You want to have, uh, uh, you need to have development, you know, uplifting growth and, and close connections with managers and their employees you need to pay them you know and a rewarding compensation you need to provide inspirational leadership have a sustainable strategy and and healthy communication i mean those 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 keys those elements that that's a, that's kind of a foundation for any organization to 
to uh, move forward and to, to grow. And we've seen that when organizations do that, uh, when they begin to flourish as a, as a group and as a team, then you see you know, tremendous outcomes. Wow, that sounds fantastic. I think those are elements that I'm going to be uh, looking forward to develop uh, as I think of, of Christian podcasts and specifically this organization that I have a vision for. And so this is, this is what I'm thinking right now. The generational shift mm -hmm. that you talk about a little bit in your book that um, – You know, even when I talk to people nowadays, you know, people from the Generation Z or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like an in-between millennial and Generation Xer. Mm -hmm. But, uh, right, this, this new generation that they're digital natives, they have a, almost like a global yeah. vision of the world. They, they, you know, they call themselves like global citizens. Um, and in a sense, there's a little bit of like anti-capitalism in them almost just like by nature and i think some of the propositions when when it comes to even just the terminology that we have nowadays like company and work yeah. culture like all of that seem to be a little bit um divergent from what this new generation is is experiencing or maybe their ideals so how can we what would you say al is a good way to kind of like bring this newer generation to uh a healthy work um, culture, yeah. but at the same time, understand that, hey, we're, I mean, th this is kind of like based on capitalism still and like all these things that they might be even against. Well, you know, I think what all of us want, uh, Vito, is to to have work that's meaningful, right? So so that's one of our keys is, uh, is the life, is the, is the work life-giving? Does it give us meaning and purpose? And, 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 You know, each of us, I believe, have God has given us uh, skills and gifts and talents. And so each of us are created in a way that there's work for us to do. I believe that God wants us to work uh, really from the beginning. That's been the case and that there's work for us to do that he's created for us. And and so we need to then find that work that that fits us, that uses our, our talents and our gifts and our skills And, and we find meaningful work. And I, I will say that the next generation, they're looking for meaningful work. They're, work, they're looking for a group of people who, who can work together to accomplish something that's more significant than they are. And uh, I, I think that's the competitive, the labor market competitive advantage that Christian organizations have going forward is that uh, they'll be able to say, The work we're doing is not only important for our customers today, but for eternity, and uh, and that that gives them a great meeting. It also uh, needs to create a little fun in the workplace. That's a, that's another aspect that we've discovered is that there needs to be some fun in the workplace. Mm. The, uh, also, the other thing that we're seeing with the millennials and Gen Z is that they they want to work for an organization that is authentic and is able to actually accomplish what they say they're going to accomplish in terms of their, their mission and vision. So, um, you know, um, uh, like rescue missions, we do a lot of work with rescue missions, you know, are the rescue missions actually able to, to do what they say they're going to do with, uh, 
with, uh, you know, alcohol recovery and, and homelessness and, and so on. So having a sustainable strategy that, that really works and is authentic is, uh, is another key thing that we're seeing because again, this, the next generation, they want to make an impact, you know, and, and these are things that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love it. So authenticity and Mm -hmm. the 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 job needs to be rewarding it needs to yeah. have impact and they they yeah. need to experience that like this is authentic and wow yeah. i love that so um let's go here because i feel like a little bit of the the what i'm experiencing what i'm hearing uh especially here in america you know how there's there's always politics involved in everything right right and yeah. when when it comes to companies like lately i've been noticing especially like in the media industry right companies like okay fox nation is a conservative uh some people right. might even say oh they're bigots and this and that right um right cnn right. live it all they're destroying america uh, and yet i mean these are media companies with ideologies and with employees right with people who feel like right. they can belong to to this specific culture so when it comes to uh a Christian workplace, a Christian environment, a Christian company, will some of the values kind of like contradict maybe the the values that people might have? Like how do we wrestle with with people having different values and then saying, hey, but I, I, I kind of like what you do, but some of the values are in discrepancy with, with my, what my values are, right? So specifically, yeah. you know, like right now, the what I could think of is, you know, Disney uh, just recently right. coming up with, uh, this is really our agenda, right? And then other media sources like the Daily Wire saying, okay, here it is. You see, guys, this is what their agenda is. And now people even flipping from, I used to work at Disney Plus making movies and The Mandalorian to now I'm hired by this conservative news media And I'm making movies, right? So how do we wrestle a little bit with that, like ideologies within companies and in a nation that feels so divisive and politics involved in everything? Mm. That's a, that's a big question. And so, I, you know, I, my advice to uh, anybody looking for a job is uh, uh, understand the organization's uh, values and almost every organization has them. But then to test, you know, do they really follow those values? And, and then how are those values aligned with your own values? Because uh, if you're, you know, if you're going to work for an organization who has different values than you do, then uh, you're going to be unhappy and you might try to change it internally. But values, I mean, those are, those are deep-seated behaviors that happen over time. And if an organization is actually living by their their values, uh, then, um, then you'll understand, you know, how do your values match or not? So that's, that's probably the, the best advice I would have is, you know, really kind of do a values check, you know, are your values, do they match the organization's values? And, and you need to probably interview. And, and this is uh, the other thing. <clears throat> uh, sometimes we get into this mode where we're interviewing for a job. And of course, we want to, um, Uh, put on our best face. And of course we do, but, uh, but then, but making sure that we're asking questions and direct questions and 
uh, we want it to be a match, you know, with our values as much as we want them to, to like us and to hire us. But, uh, you know, at this point in the, in the uh, economy, you know, people have choices about where they go to work, uh, a lot of choices. And so matching your values with uh, the organization's values is, uh, is, a, is a key part for long-term uh, job satisfaction. So when when um, when you think of the future of Christian companies, mm -hmm. do you see do you see more of them? Do you see them flourishing? And of course, I mean, what you're doing is it's it's being a part of the flourishing and and making them grow, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But do you see more of that? What are the like the main yeah. shifters that are you noticing um, into what they are going to look like in the future, even the near yeah. future? You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> For Christian-led organizations, so for churches and Christian nonprofits, that's that's uh, those are uh, they're protected with uh, religious freedoms where they can hire Christians. And uh, you know what I what I read in employee comments is uh, people coming to work in a Christian environment. They're so happy that, for example, in a church or a Christian nonprofit, they're able to actually pray on the job. And, you know, if they work in a secular environment where, you know, praying is just seen as, uh, oh, you don't want to even talk about that, uh, then, then that's a wonderful relief. I also read comments, you know, we ask the question, you know, what makes this a great place to work uh, in our over 300 organizations that we survey every year and, you know, over 40,000 employees, we, we see comments like, Oh, I am so relieved to work in this Christian environment because people don't swear. Mm. I mean, there's just uh, so. Those, I mean, those are those are a couple of, you know, uh, you know, maybe not big things with a lot of people, but you know, it just describes how competitive and toxic a lot of secular workplaces are, and how in uh, in in hopefully in the practice of Christian organizations, well. You know, we ask the question, leaders demonstrate the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, where leaders uh, love and have patience and show peace and, and, and perseverance. Uh, uh, don't you want to work in that kind of an environment where people exhibit those kinds of behaviors versus uh, competitiveness and backbiting and, and you know, criticism and, and, and so on? So, you know, that's, 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 uh, that's what I see people really wanting to be in that kind of an environment mm, love it okay uh, so before we go to our emojis uh this is this kind of like a final question on my end which would be along the lines what is the question that i'm not asking that i should be asking when it comes to making a company flourish instead of toxic Well, that's a, okay. Well, Vito, you haven't said, okay, you've, you could say, Al, you've outlined those eight uh, keys. Hmm. Are they all equally important? Hmm. And, Are they? <laughs> uh, and the answer is no. Um, in fact, uh, the most important is, as kind of, we started off the discussion, inspirational leadership. And that's where, where leaders uh, demonstrate compassion and humility and, They've, they're full of the, the, the fruit of the spirit and they're transparent as well as, as being competent in leadership. Mm. And when that's true, then you develop this, this overall 
uh, bond of trust and integrity uh, that that draw people together and and it's kind of like the the cement that keeps the blocks all together in uh, in an organization so inspirational leadership is the most important and then next and this was the most surprising thing uh, might be the next question that uh, that you should ask is so what was most surprising and that was a life-giving work is the second most important where people feel like the work they're doing is, is meaningful and where they experience, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're able to use their skills, their gifts, their strengths uh, in the job and, and they're able to have some fun and, and clearly they're, they're treated uh, with respect and, and given the responsibility they need to actually do their job. So life-giving work is the second most important. So those two make up the, uh, a large part of what it takes to create a, uh, a flourishing workplace. Love it. Wow, those are so good. And even I love when, when you said the competency, and mm -hmm. we, we can see that played out almost like in, in all levels yeah. of, of what's going on, even you know, like I said, even in, in politics, right? Sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes government choosing people not really <laughs> based on comp competency, mm -hmm. But right. just based on you know maybe ideal ideological um, ventures or whatnot. So wow, okay. So there's a lot there. Uh, but let's go to our emojis. All right. So if you're ready, this is going to be kind of like the summary of today's conversation. Uh oh. So we start with the blasphemous emoji. When you think of like the worst idea, like the furthest away from truth or from God or from flourishing, what is the worst idea you can think of? Worst idea would be um, um, don't do what you say you're going to do. Mm. Lack of integrity. Wow. <laughs> That's so good. Skeptical. Uh, what are you skeptical of or where do you see skepticism played out on the road to flourishing? Yeah, on the, uh, so so leaders can be skeptical that this is the soft stuff, not the hard stuff. So it's not strategy. It's not accounting. It's not, you know, numbers. It's the soft stuff. It, it's the relationships and being able to identify the health of relationships inside an organization. So leaders can be, if they're pretty sensory, uh, pretty skeptical. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Unfortunately. Yeah. That's so good. All right. Inspired. <laughs> okay. So where do you see inspiration? What inspires you on the road to flourishing? You know, I'm inspired to see where organizations reflect the character of Christ and, and people are attracted to them. Mm. Love yep. it. Holy. What's a holy idea? Ah, a holy idea is that um, uh, leaders need to bring their full selves to their job. And, and hopefully those full selves include, um, you know, a heart that's full of the Holy Spirit. Oof. That's fire right there. And lastly... Our divine emoji. What is the most divine idea? The most divine idea. Well, Vito, yeah. So the most divine divine idea is that, in fact, um, employees and leaders that are 
spirit-filled, that the Holy Spirit lives within them and that they're able to uh, know what God wants them to do in their work, in their job, and in their their the purpose of their organization. Um, and, uh, and if they're able to, to um, uh, be a holy and living sacrifice to make that happen is the holy idea. Love it. Romans 12, 1. There you go. Yes. Romans 12, 1. Okay, so... I was inspired by this episode. I love the comparison between between that experience that you had, that mystical experience and seeing the face of Christ and having uh, an intentional pursuit of what does his face look like and then almost like that be the catapult that said, what should Christian companies look like? What should Christ's face look like if he was a business partner <laughs> right so yay for that Al that was amazing where do you want to point people to to find out more about the work that you do if you're uh, interested in the book uh, Road to Flourishing uh, go to Amazon or wherever books are sold and then our website is the bcwinstitute.org that's B is in best C is in Christian Uh, w is in workplaces and then institute spelled out bcwinstitute.org love it all right my friends thank you for joining the show make sure you like and subscribe find us at christianpodcast.com if you don't agree with my emojis our emoji reactions Do your own emojis. Visit Christian Podcast and choose whichever emoji you want. Share this episode if you found value in it. I'll see you guys on the next one.